Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Savanya Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. The Coterie had their blood shortage solved by Matthew Theobald, but were also forced to make a deal with the original Note Nostra. And now they've heard some disturbing news. The Pyramid 2.0 has embraced several New Haven citizens and is accepting applications for the next wave. How could Doris ever have become involved with such a despicable organization? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. We take our story back. Back into the past. Back to the year... Doris, what year were you turned into a vampire? Oh my god. (gasps) Oh boy. Um, uh, So... uh, 1619, October 31st, obviously. Naturally. (sighs) (laughs) Oh, boy. It is the evening of October 31st, 1619 in Ireland, I think. You're an Irish peasant by default. (laughs) I don't know where you picked up that accent, so I'm just going to guess. Yeah, Ireland. That makes sense. (laughs) Ireland. You are... But a gentle night farmer growing green peas, the crop that you picked many episodes ago <laughs> as a thing that totally Doris does. I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> green peas. Growing farm. green peas at your night farm. <laughs> and doing uh, readings and other magical and mystical things for your local village, I imagine you lived in? Sure. Yeah. What was the name of your village? Um, uh,. P-Town. P-Town. <laughs> like P-E-A, though. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Good old P-Town. P-Town. <laughs> P-Town, where you lived uh, in Ireland. Obviously, you were doing magic. Now, there is a difference in... I'm just going to do a disclaimer now for anyone listening about Mas- Vampire the Masquerade. 
I don't know specifically all of the lore. I don't know everything about the pyramid. If you're here to make sure that everything is exactly as written in a rule book, you should just skip to How whenever the pyramid are gone. <laughs> yeah. like just whenever they leave the show. At this point, I'm going to make up a bunch of shit of my own. So just hang on for the ride and have some fun. Uh, magic, there is blood sorcery, which is the version of magic that is done by vampires. Uh-huh. But... In the world of Vampire the Masquerade, according to me, there is also magic that is done by mortals. Oh, that's fun. The two don't mix, but they are both available. Cool. So you have always had a a way with magic. The folk magic, there's a sense of that in your blood. Just the ability to do things a little bit outside the realm of normal. Mm. Uh, How did Doris look and dress in this era? I think uh, very similar to how she she dresses now, but just dirtier. Um... (laughs) Like, you know, the peasant garb um, that, like, I think she frolics around at night, so it's covered in dirt, and uh, she has two good eyes um, still, Ooh. and uh, long, blonde hair. Yeah, basically, no no shiny pink nails, mm-hmm. um, probably barefoot. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. how old is Doris at this time? She's 16. She is 16. Yes. But Doris, uh, she she lives with her mother, who is away. What's your mom's name? Oh, um, my mother's name is Tamara. And what did your mom do for a living? She also a pea farmer, I imagine. Uh, she's a basket weaver. A basket weaver. Yep. Into which I put the peas. It makes perfect sense. So your mom is off traveling, selling baskets as she does outside of town, because if you want to be a basket weaver, there is a limited market inside the Mm -hmm. small village of P-Town. So sometimes she takes to the road and leaves you to look after the farm. And you couldn't help yourself. You you have a boyfriend, as we've heard you discuss under many, many circumstances through Doris's history. This particular boyfriend's name was Joseph Jonathan. Dell. <laughs> I remember none of this. I love this. Okay. Well, uh, Joseph Jonathan, I'm choosing off of a list of names, oh. but you have mentioned Doris's many paramours over the right. era. Oh, JJ. Good yeah, old JJ. Good old JJ. Love him so much. <laughs> yep. Uh, unfortunately, you did a tarot reading for JJ. Oh, no. Can we get a role? We'll use your character sheet oh, as written mm-hmm. of wits plus a cult. Hmm. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't roll with any hunger dice for this. Correct. You do not have hunger for there is no beast. You are but a mortal. Two successes. Two successes. What did you draw for JJ this morning? JJ, what question did you ask that you were fearfully curious about? This is still witchcraft and it is 1619. So this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. JJ is. Well, it's Doris's name Doris, or does Doris have a different name? No, her name is Doris. Doris, Doris, Doris. So JJ's gonna be like, "Hey, Doris, what do you?" He's not from Ireland, so <laughs> just like, no, that's not gonna happen. I was about that's to be like, "Remember happen, where so. he's from?" But I didn't also want to be yeah. a dick. No, nope, nope. <laughs> he's, he's from out of towner. You know, he he fell in love with Doris. Where's he from? Uh the sea. <laughs> That is the He's best a answer. I, I like to that. think that Doris just saw him like walking out of the sea, like he, uh, <laughs> like Colin Firth in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, but he's just okay. like, you know. He's 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 working up to being a pea farmer because he's he's enamored with Doris, but he's only from the sea, so he's just like, hey Doris, how's how do you think the pea harvest is gonna be this year? 
Well, I think everyone's going to live this this winter. Well, wouldn't, how... wouldn't that be nice? It and would. <laughs> Doris, the card you draw, however, oh, no. ends up being prophetic for something that will happen in town today. Oh, Jesus. What card do you draw? A guillotine. <laughs> a guillotine is drawn. And you both go about your day. Doris, you get to hang out, probably sleep because you're a night farmer. Uh, JJ, you are traveling through town. You see just these huge carts of peas being brought in because in this world, October 31st is harvest day for all of the peas. <laughs> <For> the peas. <laughs> and you can see it is an excellent harvest. Doris was correct. I'm really but, glad just my life has never been normal. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but the mayor of P-Town, uh, Marcus Allen, is coming in and trips. And as he falls forwards, he falls in front of a cart and the wheel rolls over his neck and severs his head and blood sprays and it rolls to your feet, Joseph Jonathan. Uh-huh. And you realize the guillotine was real. You'd always thought Doris's magic was just some kind of game that she played, and it was cute, and it was a little dangerous, but it was part of the fun. And you're a seafaring person. Mm-hmm. You've had experience on ships. You've got a little bit of that 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 twist yep. of superstition. But this is too much. This is real magic. This is real magic, which means it is witchcraft, which means Doris is a threat to this town and the world. Mm-hmm. So you have to, to race to the local priest... Father Nicholas Graham. Tyler. All right. Uh, what what do knock, you say? Knocking on the door. Just, Father, Father, I need your help. Yes, what is it? Father, <laughs> I, I thought I had escaped all of the terrible sea witches and magic of the sea, but it's here. It's here in P-Town. You, There's no escape. You brought the magic of the sea with you. I, I didn't bring it. I tried to escape it, but the, but Doris, Doris, she had a, she had a prophetic vision. She pulled a card, and then I saw a man's head and blood. She's a witch. Oh, that's all you had to say. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, the father raised up the village of P Town, and they marched this All Hallows Eve. And dragged you from your bed, Doris, and brought you into the center of town for a trial. And there was only one person in town who was willing to stand up for you. Kendra Williams. Kendra, I say, looking to Laura. Mm-hmm. Hello. What, what what do you do in P-Town? Uh, oh, Kendra Williams is a local barmaid. A local barmaid. Your your only friend in P-Town currently is the rest of the mob stands there demanding... To a barmaid from afar. Yeah. <laughs> who commutes yeah. into P-Town. We had a character walk out of the ocean 15 minutes ago, so let me just acknowledge... I commute her. from Potato Village. <laughs> That's fine. You grew, you started in Potatoville and you came to P-Town. It's, it's all And now fine. you're here. Yeah. So the, the town is arrayed as a mob, and there is a wooden stake with logs being piled up under it, ready to burn the witch. Father, you have to oversee the trial. This is a simple one. The accused is not allowed to speak, because Doris specified that in a previous episode. And there are no <laughs> Law & Order episodes to yeah. clarify how a court should work for anybody, <laughs> so it's pretty simple. The defense speaks first, because you're guilty unless presumed <laughs> guilty. Then the prosecution gets to speak, and then the father yields a decision. So Kendra, Kendra trying to defend her friend. What's the the impassioned speech she gives before the town of P-Town? My my fellow my fellow P-Townians, 
<laughs> Boo. This, this whole <laughs> this whole trial is a farce. Should never have happened in the first place. We know we drove the witches out years ago. <laughs> and no one else has come into this town since. Right? Can you roll me a performance or persuasion? And I would say intelligence. Am I using Evangeline's? Of, yeah, you're going to okay. use Evangeline's sheet. You're, uh, go intelligence, because you're using the logic of, we already burned the yeah. witch. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly sounds like something a witch would say. <laughs> uh, intelligence and what? And perf- uh, either performance or persuasion. Performance, because you're trying persuasion. to give a speech. All right, go for it. Three successes. Three successes. The town is grumbling. Rebel, they rebel. haven't started throwing stones at you yet, which means this speech has gone pretty well because that's usually how it goes for defensive witches. Mm-hmm. But they're not exactly cheering for you. And Joseph Jonathan mm-hmm. takes up the conch, which he carries around specifically oh. for speaking times, <laughs> as it is a method of the sea it for knowing who the has sea. the right to speak. Yeah, yeah. JJ, you have the conch. That that I do, man. You think you think you can just get rid of witches by killing them all? Witches' souls—they they peruse the land. And they can just possess people. I thought Doris was a good girl. I, ah, she was so dear to me, but now she's just all witch. It just happens. <laughs> Ke- uh, Kendra raises her hand. No, nope. boo! <laughs> I have the conch. Witch. The whole town. Pointing witch. Everybody with me. How does Joseph Jonathan know so much about witches then? I'm from the sea. They're out there. You gotta run away. I thought I ran away. At that point, the whole town is just yelling, witch! And then, then, who is the conch? he's the witch! He's the witch! (laughs) Burn him! At that point, Kendra is also gagged for yelling, not using the conch. And she is tied to the stake next to Doris, (laughs) where neither of them are allowed to speak. Uh... The poor father is required to allow a defense for Kendra, which no one volunteers to give. (laughs) Jonathan, you are prosecutor and may speak out about why Kendra should also be burned. Obviously, Kendra doesn't know anything about witches or not witches, and that means you're a witch. (laughs) Ignorance of witchcraft, you're a witch. It's it's all rolls downhill, just like that decapitated head. (laughs) All right, father, you want to give some final words? Here's the conch. Thank you, young JJ. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it's so good. Um, uh, uh, hi, Father Nicholas Graham. After hearing the defense Jesus. and accusations, hereby decree. Do I need to make a roll to come to a decision, or is it just based on... Based on the evidence. There is no defense. Everything said is true. If you don't know about witches, probably a witch. If you did witchy things, you're a witch. And if people from the sea say you're a witch, you're a sea witch. Just wanted to make sure I'm not... (laughs) You're not blowing it. Stepping on her toes. I was was about to be like, hey, she didn't get a chance. No, this tracks. (laughs) In that case, um, based on the evidence presented... And the weak defense provided for both of the accused. I have no choice but to condemn the both of you as witches. And at that point, the townsfolk, drinking, carousing, collect more logs and collect more things to set you ablaze the moment the sun falls beneath the horizon. Mm. It is disturbing to be at the center of a party. What are you thinking, Doris, as this happens? 
I'm really glad my mother's not here for this. <laughs> She'd probably be pretty sad. But also, they're right. I am a witch. So, perhaps this is karmic justice? I don't know. I'm only 16 in the 1600s. It probably is karmic. It's probably something I've done. Maybe I deserve this. No, I don't deserve this. And she's just going back and forth. It's really nice that Kendra was willing to speak up for me. Also, never trust a man again. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that in the first place. Especially when they came out of the sea like that. <laughs> don't actually know where he came from. He smelled nice, though. Kind of briny. I'll just keep going if you let me. But <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wait for it to trail off. That's not going to happen. It's not going to trail off. Hi there, I'm Tom McGee, and I love stories. And odds are, if you're listening to our shows, you do too. So, if you're wondering how you can help support our storytelling and world building and these wonderful characters and their sometimes ridiculous journeys, you can head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. There you'll find a variety of different levels and different perks, starting from as low as a dollar, which gets you into our Patreon-only Discord, where you can talk about the latest episodes, all the twists and turns, and just generally hang out with some truly lovely people. There's a whole variety of levels with everything from advanced episodes, ad-free feeds, to of course at our $25 level, getting to create your very own character who appears in some of our shows and sometimes becomes a, a long-running friend or foe of our characters. So, if you want to get involved, if you want to help us tell more of these stories, then head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. And help us create more of these fun adventures together. Doris was was left remembering karma, a lesson she'd learned from a traveling salesman. Uh, not something they teach in 1600 Irish villages, but no. it, they definitely, Doris would talk to everybody who came through. Kendra, what are you thinking having died up as a witch based on a actually reasonable speech? Oh, Kendra, she's just shrieking. I mean, she's just, she's going to be burned. So Kendra just goes like, why did I stand up for her? Why did I do that? I saw what happened. I know what happened to the witches before me. Why was I so stupid? <laughs> All for Taurus. She wasn't even that good of a friend. As I quietly disassociate next to <laughs> And the town prepares. They've got the, everything in place. They've got torches lit. They're ready to set fire to the witches. Uh, JJ and Father Nicholas, do you have any final words as the sun dips below the horizon before you set ablaze the witches? Um... As the sun sets upon P-Town, we do purify our precious village, our precious community, and rid it of sin and evil by burning these two witches. JJ, would you like to share any last words as the hero who discovered both of these <laughs> sinners? You're all welcome. <laughs> oh, cool. I'm glad the harvest is going to go well after this because there will be no more witches cursing everything. So it will be a, a pee party afterwards. <laughs> Come on. It's pee down. I did not choose I this. I thought it was the only that. got here. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm learning so many things today. 
Oh. And they lower their torches and the branches beneath you take light and be, and be the flames begin to grow beneath your feet. But you are about six feet high, so it takes a few moments for it to Great. spread up the wood. Around you, though, from the east come hundreds, if not thousands of rats just boiling out of the fields and boiling out of the buildings and sprinting towards the center of town. And around you, there are screams. There is pandemonium. The whole village is freaking out, thinking that Satan has sent rat warriors to defend <laughs> the witches, but they are not brave enough to stand against it. They flee into the night in terror. While Doris, you look up and see four figures in flapping black robes flying down out of the night sky. And they pull ritual daggers out of their sheaths at their hip and slash the ropes and carry you and Kendra away into Aww. the sky. Your hands are still bound. You're gagged. You're being carried oh. by strange beings in black robes that reek of, of carrion, of death. And where you can see their skin, it is alabaster pale. It's cold like stone. You are flying over the countryside a little slower than a horse would run. This isn't like a Superman fly, but you are still flying. Uh, what are you thinking as this occurs? Well, I really didn't expect today to go the way that it went. How fascinating. I wonder if anybody's ever traveled like this. Oh, well, the country's rather nice. Goodbye, P-Town. Go uh, fuck yourself, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> and below you, you see JJ run over by hundreds of rats that all begin furiously <laughs> biting him. Oh, ah! <laughs> Just like on the lower decks, no! <laughs> the fate of death. Kendra, what are you thinking, having been pulled away from the fire by nightmare creatures that are flying you into the sky? Um... I don't know if this is better than burning. <laughs> I hope it is. Not sure yet. This is so much better than burning. <laughs> <laughs> I like rats. And you both continue to fly. So you have the moments of wonder and the moments of panic in the case of Kendra. But this is a three-hour flight. Oh, you go oh. a considerable <laughs> distance and time to the point where you have the moments of it being fun to it being boring, to it being terrifying, to being tired, to dealing with all of that until a massive black obsidian castle looms in the distance and you close towards it through the air, flying over the walls. As you look down, you see other robed figures, all pale and, and nightmarish, and you land in the center of a large courtyard. You expect to see horses and the other trappings of carriages, the things you've both heard of being in castles. Neither of you had left P-Town except for Potatoville, <laughs> but you haven't experienced castles. You've just heard about them from a distance. You've heard about what it can be like in the big areas. This matches none of those expectations. This is dark. This is scary. There are splashes of dried blood on the flagstones beneath your feet, uh, and there is limited fire, a very small amount. Normally, in the night, to ward off evils, to keep an eye on what was going on, you would expect a lot of torches, a lot of bonfires on the ground, fire pits. You can see that those sconces are in place. There clearly are places where larger fires were meant to exist in this castle, but they do not. There are a few guttering candles, and there is one central flame in the middle of this courtyard. And standing behind it, you see the tallest of all the figures in robes. It's just a full foot taller than the rest around them. Lankier, terrifying. And next to it stands Tamra, your mother, looking very nervous. 
and you are set down, Doris, and you are set down, Kendra, and your bonds are cut away, and you are ungagged. What do you do? Mother? Yes? Oh, good, yeah, that's, that's Doris. That's the one you want. She's a witch. It's perfect. She can do all the magic you need. What? What's going on? And the large figure raises a hand to your mother and then turns and looks to you and says, Your mother owes us a debt, and she has promised your magic to serve us. Are you sure you don't want some peas instead? It's a good harvest this year. We have no need for your harvest. We have need of your gifts. You are gifted, ever so gifted. You can see the future, yes. Well, I can. It got me in a bit of trouble today, though, so I don't know if you want it. Excellent. Oh. And is this your familiar or a member of your coven? No. She's a... (laughs) She's a barmaid. So she is in no way magical. No. Excellent. Unless she should be. She will serve the magic in her own way. Oh, that sounds nice. All right. Now let us give you the gift of eternity. What? And you shall serve for eternity. Um, And you are both swept up by the figures in robes and carried into a central chamber where you see a large golden goblet. It is nearly the size of the Super Bowl cup. It is a big, big goblet. And each of these these cowled figures reaches out and slashes their wrist with a dagger and their blood pours into the goblet. And a number of other figures are all dragged forward and, and in a line where they are all in street clothes like you. And you can see they've all been given special attention. There's something a little bit off, a little bit kooky about all of them. And there are three others with you. What do those three, he says, pointing to Tyler, pointing to Dell, pointing to Laura, what do those three look like? Um... I see, um, uh, pointed to Tyler, uh, a five-year-old boy. Same voice. (laughs) (laughs) Strangely enough. Um, I see, like, the most himbo man who looks like he's just been hit on the head. Uh, Like, big, muscly dude. Doesn't look like he knows his own name. Um, (laughs) And, like, a woman who looks like a stereotypical, like, scraggly witch. Like, literally looks like a witch Mm. who was, like, living in in the forest for the last 200 years. Nice. Wonderful. And something that you'll come to realize as life goes on for you for centuries, Doris, is much like we all meet people in our elementary or high schools and go on in life and are kind of like, that's another one of them, where you can meet the archetypes of people Mm. as time goes on. That can ring even truer over time for immortals. These are echoes of Val, of Everett, and of Evangeline. But in a medieval sense. So maybe the stats are similar. Maybe (laughs) the voices are similar. Uh, The thing that you will come to recognize, Doris, is that uh, historical Everett is not, in fact, a five-year-old child. He is a little person. You haven't seen little people before, so you would have had no idea. But the pyramid is always hunting for people who can expand their magical and occult knowledge. So turning a child into a vampire would be of minimal use for them. But an occultist... It does not matter how one appears if one has the gift or does not. To our three echoes through time, what are your names in this historical space? Tyler? Um, 
His name will be uh, Peter. Peter. Okay, Del. Bertrand. Bertrand. Peter. I'm imagining your pronouns are he, him. If I was to ballpark based on the description, but Peter is. Yep. Great. Bertrand. What are? Yeah, he, him for he, Bertrand. Him. Great. Lisbeth. Hmm. Laura. Lisbeth and pronouns she, are her. she, her. Great. All four of you stand watching each member of this strange, deathly cult pour their blood into a goblet, and it is passed to each of you to drink. What do you do? Uh, I'm not drinking unless my mother does. Your mother has already drank. Oh! All right. Well, then, it, it, it must be an okay thing to do, then. Yes. And he just tips the bottom of the goblet, and you are forced to drink. Right. You feel a euphoric power overcome you as you drink this blood. Uh, this is the first time you've engaged with any kindred vitae. It would make you into functionally a ghoul. You would have the ability to power that blood, but it is a hell of a rush to have the strength of a vampire inside a mortal frame. Right. And the blood continues to be passed around, and the other three are also forced to drink. It's not really optional. They're pretending mm -hmm. it is, but it's there. At which point, a member of the robed group steps forward in front of each of the other three, but your mother steps forward in front of you, Doris, and you can see that her skin is paler than it had been before. You hadn't spotted it before because of the moonlight, but as you stare, you can see that something is off. There's something terrifying about what's happening, and all of the vampires standing before each of you lunge forward and latch onto your necks and begin draining the blood out of your body from the height of the vitae coursing through your veins to the depths of this nightmare of being drained. And you're drained right to the edge, to the very brink of mortality. At which point, each of these vampires raises their wrist to your mouth and slashes it and allows you to drink. And your mother just says to you, Doris, I'm so sorry about this. I made them a delivery of baskets and they were shit. I had to trade you or we were fucked. What? Yeah, Why? sorry about this. Just just drink, just drink, just drink. Uh, and she feeds her vampiric blood into you. And you pass out. Everything goes dark. You wake up an indeterminate amount of time later, having thought you were dead, and realize you can't see anything. When you try to move your limbs, you can't feel anything. You're trapped. You're just unable to move in this darkness. What do you do? Uh, I uh, roll around. <laughs> Great. Can you roll me? To see if I can, like, move and... A strength and athletics. <laughs> okay. Please add... I guess you'll, you, your hunger will be four currently. Or five. You will be max hungered. So oh it's a lot God. of dice. Yeah. Um, okay. So that won't, it won't add anything to that roll, but... Okay, so I'm rolling six dice then. If I have a one... Uh, yeah, roll, roll, roll that up now because you'd be, you'd be at height of frenzy. So that adds dice mm -hmm. to all your pools. All your physical stats count as five. Um, that's one success. One success. You begin to move. Uh, you realize you are trapped within the earth. You can feel yourself <gasps> surrounded by soil. It is heavy. It is there. It is a panic. Uh, what do you do next? Yeah, uh, I start to scream. 
that you don't need to roll to do that. You scream. Your mouth fills with dirt. Uh, you cool. run out of the air in your lungs, <gasps> and you realize you don't need to inhale. You oh, think you'd nice. be drowning in earth right now, but instead you just are empty. You can't get more air in. You're still buried. Oh. What do you do? Uh, you feel an overwhelming hunger overtaking you. Just absolutely. It's like a wave closing in. I'm going to think really hard about somebody get me out of here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. That's cool. Can you roll me, I would say, a wits and a blood sorcery using whatever dots you have in blood sorcery? Like uh, uh, blood. Whatever your discipline oh, is. Oh, yeah. Got. Okay. Yeah, which is you instinctively calling upon the magic mm -hmm. in your blood, not knowing what it does. So I'm rolling five hunger dice plus. Oh, no. No, no, no. So I'm rolling all hunger dice. Then. <laughs> yeah, of your pool. Yeah, it's all hunger Four dice. of them okay. will be hunger dice. Yes. Correct. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Two successes. Two successes. You call out like that, and you just hear the voice of the tall, horrifying figure that you had recognized from earlier, just saying, rise, rise, or die. Oh. oh. Seems a bit harsh. <laughs> uh, and I guess I'm just going to try again. Yep. So you start digging up. And the hunger overcomes you and your vision turns red. And for the first time, the beast that you will come to face over centuries rises inside you and fuels this clawing journey to the, to the top. As you haul your way out of the earth, you see you're outside the castle in a graveyard. And in front of you, standing tied to a stake stabbed into the ground, is Kendra Williams. Oh, no. Kendra, you see this monster rise out of the dirt. And what do you say to Doris? Hello, are you here to kill me? And Doris, you eat Kendra. There's oh. no option. There's no choice. The beast has overcome you. The first, the first murder, as is true for almost all kindred who are forced to rise out of the earth in this manner, it's just whoever is present. Mm -hmm. And you come back to yourself the moment it is over. You are, you are fully sated. And for the first time in a long time after this, I mean, it depends on how you go, but you have no hunger. Mm. You, when you drain someone to the point of death, the hunger goes yeah. to zero. And you look around and see the other three trainees have also acolytes, have hauled their way out of the ground and have done the same thing. They have all fed and you all rise with blood coating the front of your various outfits and see each oh, other. Oh, I was in the Kendra. Night. That was Kendra who Ugh. went that way. I got confused. I thought I was... Lisbeth is fine. <laughs> that's probably not what I would have said, Lisbeth... but that's okay. Yeah, I was going to say, she's a scraggly old yeah. lady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like for Doris, that was the first time. I feel like that's where he, her brain just kind of separates itself from it uh, for a second, where she was just like, I can either be a 16-year-old who's horrified by this and spend the rest of my days being very scarred, or I can just be like, well, that's fine. <laughs> 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 and so she's picking the latter. And truly nice. it was fine. It was fine. How do you other three react as you rise? Well, I assume it's a similar show in terms of frenzy, frenzy mode. Correct. This yeah. is just coming out of it, realizing you're over a body. For you other three, these are not people that you know. Mm. 
Um, they were just random bodies that were provided. You don't have the same personal relationship because nobody bothered to carry that other person in with you. The methodology of being claimed by the pyramid was identical. Each of you were identified as witches. You're being pursued in your area and you were kidnapped into the night brought here. If this has happened. Right. Um, I think Peter um, uh, scrambles out of the dirt. Um, I think dirt like out of in his mouth as he as he comes out and 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 uh, just um, like an animal just goes in for the kill immediately. The same desperation to get out was the desperation to feed. Just, yep. just carried him right over. He wasn't, no thoughts, only drink. Yeah. Yep, yep. So you you come out of the center of a body. You didn't get to the neck. You yeah. just are, are leaning back and you look over and everybody had their, their frenzied kill. But you are all coming back to yourselves, covered in blood, coming out of this experience. You can feel fangs. The world is more beautiful. It is bolder. All the colors are brighter. It is incredible and magical in its own way, but so is the horror. You can smell everything. You can sense everything. It is this kind of overwhelm. The castle is next door. You four have this brief moment of being the highest and most magical you will probably ever feel while also for the first time having killed someone. What do you do? What do you say? As a scraggly forest witch, <laughs> Lisbeth will just... Uh, kind of crawl like go to the ground and just start like kind of grasping at the dirt and just like feeling the earth and everything she's always wanted i mean she was in the forest she always wanted to be part of everything and um and she says oh come down with me oh come down on the ground everyone Bertrand is head empty, <laughs> magical boy who was chased like Frankenstein out of town. So he's just now suddenly after being covered with blood, realizing like where, what, oh, and then looking over at Elizabeth, does this mean we're friends now? Uh, uh, Peter, looking at what he's done to a person, um, says, uh, um, is is this forever? Is this what is this what it's going to be like forever? It's so beautiful. They were right to be afraid of us, weren't they? Why us? What can you do? I I've been told I can do nothing my whole life. But each of you has a strange gift. Like Doris's ability with the cards, the premonitions, you aren't just someone in the whole history of kind of fake magic claims to drive people out of towns. Each of you does have a touch of magic that expresses in some specific way. So what was your gift? Hmm. I would say for Bertrand, it was that he can just hear people's thoughts. But he never realized that. He thought people were just talking to him out loud and he would <laughs> respond to it. Oh, and then people got very scared and would not want him around because they would eventually think a secret or think something that he would respond to. And then they would run him out of town. Uh, Peter has a way with animals. Um, Peter um, lived with a uh, traveling circus, not as a performer or anything like that. Um, but he found the most acceptance there with the way circuses were. Um <laughs> 
yeah. uh, but he tended to the animals and and found that they took a shining to him that most people uh, treated him sort of dismissively or with outright disdain. He got on great with animals, and that's where I think the magic lies. And Lisbeth, uh, she found herself in the forest initially because uh, she felt drawn to kind of nature in its purest form and was able to kind of see through the eyes of of other beings, uh, whether it was the feel of the trees or like, you know, the smallest little mouse, she could see through their eyes. And experiencing this magical night, sharing your powers, exploring these new gifts, feeling the world, you all feel a sense of camaraderie that you had not before. You'd always been the special person who was also hated by everyone. And now you are four new special people who all can respect and enjoy each other's company and celebrate these things, having gone through this transformation. And you swear an oath of eternal friendship, mm. not realizing that eternity is quite literal in this case. <laughs> and you return to the castle and you are shown around by the other acolytes and apprentices, the low-level members of this cult of supernatural beings, and you learn the truths about being a vampire. You can no longer see the sun. It takes effort, and you have to burn the blood within your body to appear mortal. You have to hide from the living and hide from a good number of the dead. You are part of a magical uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, personhood. You've joined the pyramid. And over the following nights, you all drink from the goblet again and again and again. And Doris, you notice with the others that there is this strange sense of them seeming to fall more and more in love with the pyramid and with the organization and with the training, but most importantly with the people. You don't have that sense immediately of just like being completely enamored with everyone around outside of your own interests mm -hmm. but you can see they are almost romantically and familially obsessed with mm -hmm. every other member of the pyramid mm -hmm. and you don't feel that draw no and you begin to realize as you go through some preliminary studies and learn some preliminary rituals that everyone else in your acceptance class all of the other apprentices were brought here because they had power over other people's minds and you were brought here because you could see the future Mm -hmm. The ability for premonitions, the ability for card tricks. And an interesting question that I have for you at this point is, when you were mortal, did you think it was magic and it was all true? What was the blend of I do cards and the cards tell me or I'm the thing imbuing the cards with the future? Um, I think it was just that kind of mixture. I don't think that she felt like she was doing anything. I think it was just like, well, naturally, because the cards said that it was this was going to happen. And oh, look, it happened. And so mm -hmm. it's probably more the cards than anything else. But like... When other people read the cards, it doesn't happen. So maybe it's just, you know, I'm just really lucky. Yeah. And with the strangeness <laughs> of this circumstance, I think there's also a question that would pop in your mind, which is like, do you belong here? Because mm -hmm. the more you can see this incredibly practical magic that everyone else is doing, where they are gaining the abilities to dominate others over time. They're gaining the ability to do this. Your mother isn't present anymore. You are just in this, this low level group for a couple of weeks. Mm. And you're trying to learn the new magic. And for the rest of you, you get frustrated because your old magic doesn't work. Mm. You tried to do the things you could do before and that is oh, lost. No. Because it is the the dark secret of the pyramid, as you would learn over time, that the magic you had as a mortal doesn't work as a vampire. Mm. 
You are oh. now drawing on different magical sources because you are a Knight. So you have to learn the new magic. But you are all falling in love with the cult, though you you also love each other. You love Doris. The blood bond has fully taken hold. The pyramid used the blood bond to keep everybody locked in at all times. So you are equally bonded to the full organization in this castle. So it doesn't mean there are people that you love less or love more. It's equivalent. The amount that you like people can go up or down based on personal interactions. Mm -hmm. And I think you four would, would stay close over time. But you begin to realize that there are threats rising outside of this castle. That there are people hunting for the pyramid. That there are people hunting the Tremere. There are vampires hunting the Tremere. They need a big play. They need a big win. And that is when, Doris, you are hauled before the tall vampire. Who you have learned is named Lucius Balefire. Lucius Balefire is the pontifex of this division of the pyramid, which means he's at a national level of leadership, if we were to think in terms of modern day scale. Mm -hmm. And he says, all right. And he hauls you into, you're, you're, you're brought to his personal quarters at the very top of the blood spire. They are elaborate. It is what you would imagine a combination of a, a witch's cottage meets medieval Da Vinci-style scientist lab meets gothic romance elements. It's a library. It's full of experiments and other things. And he just says, it is time for you to demonstrate your worth. You have a gift that we have needed, one that we know transcends the blood. You can see the future, and I must know what will happen tomorrow. What's tomorrow, sir? Tomorrow there is a great meeting. Tomorrow there is a great future. The Council of Seven is meeting for seven days. And I must not make mistakes. So you will draw the cards for me each of those days. And each day you are wrong, you will pay a terrible price. That is a lot of pressure, sir. It doesn't quite seem fair. Sir. Don't you love the pyramid? Yes. And don't you love me? Indeed, I do. Then do this out of the love we bear one another. Doris, can you roll me a what's in awareness? <laughs> I still have no hunger. Uh, yeah, you still have no hunger. You've been killing somebody every night. Oh, wow. This is okay. the pyramid. They're just trucking people in. Okay. And letting you murder them. And this is medieval times. The value put on human life is very different in 1619 than it is in the modern yeah. day. Uh, it's four successes. Four successes. Whoa. Even you are surprised by how shitty he is yeah. at even pretending to love you. Like, it is a level of hmm. lazy that is staggering. And at this point, I would say, especially with this meeting, you were 100% convinced that something they are doing with that blood is emotionally manipulating everybody in the building. Right. He's relying on something other than charm because he is devoid of it. Right. <laughs> um. He's a creepy, gaunt man. In a simple brass th yeah. brass crown in black robes okay. in this hellscape, being like, "Don't you love me?" And you realize everybody else in the building would be like, "Of course, of course. Mm -hmm. How could you ask?" May I, sir? Yes. Draw the cards. Predict the future. And he slides you a tarot deck over the table. I'll draw the cards for you. If you tell me. 
why we're not allowed to have our own minds here. We don't need our own minds. We are all a brick in the pyramid. But I do. You will be a very powerful brick indeed. Build a path to the future and you can rise to the top. I am not the only Pontifex, and the Council of Seven has seven members. Reach the pinnacle, young one. If you can see the future, you are destined to. But if you can't, bricks are removed, bricks are replaced. Minds are altered. Of course. But that gift is for lesser people. You can see the future. Share your gift. Share the gift your mother promised us. Share the gift she knew you had. I don't know if I trust you. But I'll read. Excellent. Whatever love you bear me channel into this reading. She's going to do the reading, but she's not going to channel any goddamn love in there. <laughs> That's fine. He assumes it's there. So that works for him as long as you're doing the reading. Let's yeah. get a wits and a cult. Mm. Mm -mm. Four successes. Four successes. Holy shit. Oh uh, you f what is the card that you flip over? Um, I will say it is an eye crying blood. Ooh. An eye crying blood. He looks at this card and says, mm, yes, I will witness a sacrifice. Something will change. Blood will be spilt and blood will be earned. Thank you. And you're dismissed. And he disappears and flies out the window of his room. Oh. And you are escorted out. And that night, you are forced to drink from the goblet that is shared by the rest of the pyramid three times instead of the usual Ooh. one. Bring it on! <laughs> and when you return to the room full of coffins where everyone sleeps, your three closest friends are all very, very jealous that you got to have a meeting with the Pontifex, and they all want to know what was, mm. what was going on. Uh, how do you approach Doris? What do you say, friends? Oh, man. Bertrand will just give Doris a big hug. We 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 all want to know what what's been going on, Doris. Do you love this place? Oh, oh yes, yes. Is there going to be a test? And, and Lisbeth is just like almost like grasping, like clawing at like Doris's like arms and like back. And <laughs> oh, please just, don't. Of course. We love this place. We love you. There, there's no, there's no test. I don't think. Oh. But do you love Lucius? Well, yes. Oh, oh Lucius! So much. Did, he, uh, <gasps> did he ask you about us? <laughs> no. Oh. Oh. Why, why, why do you want to talk to you, Joris? I mean, he loves all of us equally. I. I don't think any of this is real well sure it is i don't Doris. think any of what you're feeling is real i our feelings are ah, so real that but the pyramid is it's it's in your brain oh. it's in our brains we need to stop of course it is it's we welcome it our brains our hearts our blood 
Don't you want to own your own brain? I feel like the only person who should be inside your head is you. What? I... You're not making any sense, Doris. Are you feeling all right? I don't like it when there are tendrils coming into my head. From the, from the blood, the blood tendrils, I can feel it trying, but it's not working. And, and for, for you three, this kind of incomprehensible word salad hmm. is somewhat soothing. Because you do love Doris, and Doris gets mm. lost in things, and she's just got a lot of big ideas yeah. that she kind of stumbles over. Okay. So as the mm. as the sun begins to rise outside, you all climb into your coffins. And Doris, you realize that your friends are also being lost to this thing. Mm-hmm. And you might need to get yourself out, but you also might need to get them out. And the next day, after you drink from the goblet again... Hmm. And you have your lessons as an apprentice. You are brought up to Lucius Balefire's throne room. Again. And he says, yes. The first day, a member of the council was lost. I didn't see it happen, but I saw an empty chair and the blood was lost. A certain pontifex will be raised. I must know what I must do this night or who to ally myself with. Draw again. Teach me how to get tendrils in brains, and I will. This isn't a trade. This is what we do. We're a family. You're helping me. You're helping the pyramid. You're helping yourself. And that's why we're just the best family that's ever been. The pyramid is a beautiful family. Help me. Help your father. Draw the card. I'm going to repeat myself, sir. Teach me how to enter into a brain and I will read your card. Or do you have someone else who can do what I do? Oh, child. It is the hardest part of being a father to have to punish disobedience. And he draws forth a silver knife And he grabs you by the hair and he says, just know that this hurts me so much more than it will hurt you. And he takes your eye. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Ryan Laplante at The Ryan Laplante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Blood and Syrup's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com. That's D E L B O R O V I C. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J A H Z Z A R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of dark. 
Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Flynn1138, Alorain Okapi, OMG It's Big Nick, D&D and Things, Schrodinger's Pepper, Guy Edwards, Flea Unit, Madre de Gatos, Lady Maiden, Nithrian, Garbo Ape, Locke, Sam Schaefer, Waffle Marine, Dagger Rain, Rob L, Dia de los Hoodless, Diovasis, Loki Burrito, Squishy Werewolf, Remy, Funky Head, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.